Welcome to Courageous Me, your go-to podcast if you're looking for inspiration and the confidence to put the spark back into your life. Hi, I'm your host, Kim Payne, and I'm on a mission to empower professional women to live kick-ass liberated lives where they're seen, heard, and fully valued. Join me on a journey to reignite your passion, get clear on your purpose, and to put more fun into all you do. To declare to that beautiful human staring back at you in the mirror, you've got this. If that sounds like you, let's do it. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Courageous Me podcast. I cannot tell you how long I have been thinking about doing this, like literally years and years and years, to the point where I'd even wanted to do joint podcasts with other people and got them all lined up and it never happened. And so now I'm here doing it, it just feels amazing and I'm so excited that you're here as well. So I'm your host, Kim Payne, and you probably want to know a little bit about what we're going to be doing on this podcast. So I want this to be a journey of courage. This is absolutely not a platform for me to just speak and share what's on my mind. It's a platform for you, for me, for our guests, for anyone else who's listening in to see where does courage need to be injected more into your life? Where do you need that little bit of inspiration to get out and do something that you've been wanting to do for a long time? And although this is not limited to women, I'm really passionate about working with women in particular because too often over all the years, and I'll tell you a bit more about my background shortly, but too often over the years, I, I see women always at the bottom of their priority list. So they do everything for everyone else. They look after family. They look after their colleagues. They look after their work. They look after every single other person, their parents, whatever it might be. But they seem to end up at the bottom of their priority list. And that happens. And there's obviously a lot of good reasons to it. And then sometimes you sit back and you go, whoa, what about me? And I actually call it the What About Me Club. It's kind of that club where you're told you can have everything, you can do everything. Yes, yeah, sure, great. But the reality is maybe if you can, you can't do it all at once. I know that for a fact. But what are the things that you can do and what are the things that you can do for yourself that maybe you're not doing it? So I was at Matchbox shopping for some gifts the other day and there were these beautiful coffee mugs that were in some gorgeous colours and each of them had a word on it. So the words were courageous, uh, wild, uh, fierce and strong. And I loved them all so I bought them all. Anyway, I needed I need to buy another couple so I was a bit stuck because I know, you know, I, I like them all. But I went up to the woman who was working there and I said to her, hey, listen, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing some interviews with finding out what success means for professional women and what holds them back and looking at that in a bit more detail. And I want to buy some of these cups as gifts. Which word resonates most with you? Anyway, she said, oh my goodness, that's really easy, courageous. And this woman looked about Oh, she was in her late 50s 
And I did ask her, so that was confirmed. Anyway, I said to her, why did you say that and how did that come up so quickly? She said, oh, you know, I think we all need a little bit of courage. She said, in particular women and particularly me, meaning her. And I said, oh, tell me about that. She said, well, I've always wanted to to do my law degree. And I asked why. And in the conversation, she was saying how she'd always done, she'd done legal studies and done a lot of work in the legal industry, but never actually got her degree. And as she was getting older, she was meeting a lot of people or family members, friends that were really in need of legal support, but didn't have the money to do it. So she said, you know, I just want to help more people and do it on scale from a legal perspective. And, you know, given I've already studied legal, I thought that would be really cool. So I said to her, what's stopping you? And she's like, look at me. You know, I'm in my late 50s. I'm way too old to do it. My friends would laugh at me. My family would think I was nuts. So, you know, I think I've, I've missed the boat. And of course, I know nothing about this woman, but I said, oh, what a load of rubbish. You're not too old. And so what if your friends laugh at you? That's probably because they're jealous that they'd love to be doing it themselves and they're not. Anyway, we, we had a bit of a giggle about this and she said, yeah, I think I just really need more courage to do it. And I'm like, well, if you need that courage, this is the sign. And given she worked at the shop, I said, why don't you buy that cup for yourself and maybe see what you can do? And I said, you know, it might not even be doing a law degree that you need to do. Maybe it's just there's something smaller or shorter or some short courses that you could still do that would allow you to help more people. Anyway, by the end of it, and after many laughs, she said to me, I'm actually going to buy that cup and I am going to go home tonight and do some research. You've really inspired me. And I thought, isn't that cool that sometimes all we do need is that little bit of courage or that bit of a kick up the backside from someone to help us get out there and do something. And someone I've got a massive mind crush or brain crush on is Brene Brown. And I'm sure many of you listening would feel the same way. And Brene is probably on your top list of people. If you could have them to dinner, she'd be one of them. But one of the things I love is she says that courage is not the absence of fear. It's the ability to do something even when it scares you. And That's what just so resonates with me about this word courage, that it's not about getting past it and not fearing doing something or not being scared of it. It's having those feelings and doing it anyway. So I remember when I was a 15, 16 year old girl and I'd I'd known at that time that public speaking and having the ability to speak in front of people, even just speak up for yourself was going to be pretty important in terms of your career. Ironically, my surname's Payne and I actually always wanted to be a doctor. This is completely off track. I always wanted to be a doctor and I did my work experience at a hospital (laughs) and I worked out when I did my work experience that I didn't like blood and uh, that didn't go down too well. Anyway, so... (laughs) I decided not, I decided that, yeah, medicine probably wasn't for me with a fear of blood. And I know we're talking about courage and it's like, come on, Kim, why didn't you get over that fear? But luckily when I hit year 11, I I needed another subject to go in with all my maths and science. And the only one that fit my timetable 
that wasn't art or humanities um, or literature or English. We didn't like any of those. The only one was economics. So luckily I fell in love with economics. But again, I'll tell you more about that later. But anyway, so I knew that that speaking in public was going to be something that I needed to do. So we went on a family holiday up to Cool and Gather in Queensland and we went to a show one night and it was a hypnotherapist called Martin St. James. Um, I don't even know if he's still around now, but for those of you who do know him. And we all sat down in the audience. It was probably about, oh, I don't know, a couple of hundred people at least in the audience. It was a big theatre, big um, showroom up in Cool and Gatta. And he called for volunteers that would come up onto the stage. He'd run through some tests. And at the end of it, he would choose who would participate and become part of his show. Anyway, I'm sitting there and I remember when he even said it. Now, this is a room full of so many people. And I got this really sick feeling and the butterflies and the bubbles in the belly. And I thought to myself, you know, if Kim, if you ever wanted to really face your fears and become better at speaking in front of public in public and getting in front of people, then you probably need to put your hand up and go up onto that stage and volunteer. Now, I was a really shy girl too. I probably still am. But anyway, I was really shy. And so when he made this call and I jumped out of my seat and ran up onto the stage, the first thing I did was look back at my family who seriously were all sitting there quite gobsmacked that I'd done that because that was very out of character for the shy version uh, and the introverted version of Kim that was up there doing it. Anyway, I'm, I'm probably also a bit of a sucker and a bit gullible, but he did all these tests and that and I got chosen. So I was in the show, the entire show. Now, yes, he hypnotised us and you had to do all these weird and wacky things, but they were all done on a stage in front of this really large audience. And I remember at one point, you know, he, he had his hand on my shoulder and he said, you're going to go back at the break and sit back with your family. And when you hear, so for women, when you hear the song, Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun, you're going to come back, you're going to run up onto the stage and you're going to dance like you're Cindy Lauper and you're a girl just having fun. So that's fine. We go back to the, go back to our family at halftime, having a drink, having a chit chat, and they're all still laughing at me. And all of a sudden, yep, Cindy Lauper's girls just want to have fun, plays over the loudspeaker. And I find myself, this is almost like an out-of-body experience. I found myself launching out of my chair, running onto that stage and getting up there and dancing seriously like I thought I was Cindy Lauper. Here's the funny bit though, then the music stops. Kind of like, you know, when you play Pass the Parcel and the music stops and you're like, oh my God, I've really got that parcel in front of me. And the music stopped and I'm standing on this stage looking out to this audience and I suddenly feel petrified. I'm like, what am I doing? And it was such a mind-blowing and surreal experience. And that was the catalyst that made me start to realize, wow, I could do that. And by the way, they gave you tickets at the end of the show because you didn't get to watch the show because you were part of it. They gave you free tickets to come back the next night and watch the show. And I did go back and I did watch it. And I remember sitting in the audience going, fruit, did I do that? Wow. But that was the, the point. That was the dose of courage that I needed to really start doing more things like that. And then even at school when, you know, 
they were putting the debate team together. I found myself putting my hand up. When there was any presentations that had to be made, I put my hand up. If we had to speak up in class, I started putting my hand up first. And like I said, that was really the turning point that got me to feeling like the only way that I'm going to become more courageous and do some of the things I want to do is to start doing things that make me uncomfortable. And I heard a saying once, and I'm really sorry, I don't know who said it, but it was something like, you've got to do the things that scare you to enable you to do the things that scare you. And I thought, that's so cool. Like, you've got to go and do the thing that takes you into a place that is uncomfortable in order to do the th- more of the things that you want to do that make you uncomfortable. And, you know, we talk about, and very, very, very big in the personal development space is this whole thing about getting out of your comfort zone, which I understand, but it hasn't always resonated. And then I was, I read the book by Mel Schilling called The C Word, which is the confidence word. And it's, it's really cool. And Mel Schilling is, oh, she's a psychologist, but she was also one of the um, experts on Married at First Sight. And, but she talks about not necessarily getting out of your comfort zone, but rather thinking about expanding your comfort zone. And I really love that as a change in perspective around the whole comfort zone and, and growing and doing things that do make you uncomfortable because it just doesn't seem as scary. It doesn't feel like you're sort of jumping out and taking that big leap of faith, but you are pushing the boundaries. It's, it's about how do you sort of expand those boundaries and actually make the comfort zone bigger and broader in itself. So I really love that. And it, it does almost feel like, you know, the parachute when you jump out of the plane, you know, you're not just jumping, you are actually got the parachute and the backup parachute or you know, if you're jumping on a trampoline and there's the cushions all around the edge, I feel like, yeah, maybe we're talking about semantics, but it really does make a big difference. And this is why I want this podcast to be about a journey because I've spent 30 years, so my entire career in financial services. So I finished school, I did my degree in economics and loved it. Before I actually finished it, I started and finished my graduate diploma in finance and investment and long story short, then went off and did a diploma in financial planning. So I literally have spent 30 years in financial services. But part of the work that I love the most and, you know, yeah, I was a math stats numbers nerd at school, so I love all that stuff. I certainly related to it and connected to it when I was earlier on. But over the years, what I found and actually... I'll tell you this story. I was a financial advisor for a little while when I was 29. And I I was sitting with an elderly client going through some of the advice that was prepared for them. And mid-flight, like literally in the middle of the conversation with this couple, the woman, not the man, the woman stops me and she puts her hand up right in front of my face. It was reasonably uncomfortable. And she said, stop. What gives you the right to give me advice? You're young and female. And she literally said it like that. Now I was, I was 29 and I was female, still am female, but I was completely blown away. I was doing this meeting by myself, which already took a bit of courage. I was reasonably new in the role, but I was totally flawed and totally speechless. 
And it's really funny how after something like that happens, you come up with all these incredible comebacks that you could have had, but at the time, none of them came to me. But it really made me think, well, there was some incredible advice and recommendations within the what I was sharing with her. But she had this barrier around me, given you know I was young and female, and delivering her this advice. And it made me really go on this journey of how can you better demonstrate and show the value of what you're doing and bring your expertise to the table so that the person sitting on the other end is going to value it. And that really set me on the trajectory. Now, here's this, right, for not being perfect. I've just stumbled over the word trajectory. And there's going to be stumbles. There's going to be ums and ahs. There's going to be mumbled words. I make words up too. So, So if I say something you don't understand, you'll get the context, but I make them up. I'm just saying that this podcast is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be flawless. It's not going to be something where, you know, it's it's a word mistake, kind of like a spelling mistake. And I know so many times I've done many presentations and at the end of it, I've had, you know, maybe 400 people come up and say, wow, that was amazing. And I have the one person that comes up and said, did you know you had a typo on slide five? It's like, yes, it's a gift. And I'm giving you all my stumbles and mutters and words I can't say, they're my gifts to you. They're my, they're my commitment to not making this perfect, but making it real and being courageous enough to put something that's not perfect and not real and all polished and clean out there into the public. So what was I saying? Okay, I was talking about the trajectory. (laughs) I need another word. Um, That set me off on, okay, how do we really become more valuable in all we do? How do we bring that real human connection and being able to speak to people even about really technical things in a way that they understand and not feel that you've got to showcase fancy words and jargon and complex topics. You can bring them back to everyday speak so that the person on the other end understands it. Now, that's not easy, especially for those that have, you know, in a profession and in particular one where there is a lot of technical expertise that's needed. Because when I was younger, and I don't know if any of you feel like this too, but when I was younger, I felt like I I had to be more technical and more proper and, you know, use the bigger words and the fancy jargon to make myself feel like, I was worthy and valuable being in that role. But in actual fact, as I've got older, I've realized you don't need to do that, but you do need to know how to better connect with people, how to understand and read body language, how to understand and read when someone's nodding, but there's a vacant look in their eyes. That does not necessarily mean that they understand what you're saying and have the courage to say, did that make sense? Or would you like me to explain it again? Or have I lost you? Easy? No, especially not earlier on in your career when you're really trying to impress. You're trying to impress yourself, but you're also trying to impress others. So that's why this is a journey. But anyway, that's what set me off on this path. And over the years, and being in financial services, which has been a very male dominated industry. So there's been times where It has been more challenging to get your voice heard, to get your point across. Times I've had so many times and over the podcast, I'll share a lot of these examples where 
I haven't stood up for myself or I've let others take the credit where maybe I, you know, I'd done the work and I deserved it. Or I didn't call something out that I should have called out. Oh, I've got a bucket load of those stories to share with you. Plus, we're going to hear a whole lot of these stories from other people that are out there doing life and doing it with that little bit, you know, a little bit of fear, that little bit of, oh my God, can I, and the self-doubt, and the imposter syndrome, we're going to cover all of that stuff. Okay, but we're going to do it in a really safe and a really real and a really a place, like a community where we do this together. Are you on this journey with me? Because I pinky promise that I will do this and I'll say some scary things, meaning I want to do something and I'm scared and, you know, hold me to count. Like I'd like to hold you to count. So I'll give you an example. Uh, another, Another woman I've got a major brain girl crush on is a woman called Kendra Hall. And she wrote, her first book I read and fell in love with was Stories That Stick. It's all about storytelling and in particular in the workplace. And then she wrote a second book called Change Your Story, Change Your Life. And oh my goodness, if you haven't read it, it's an absolute must read. But when that book was at pre-launch stage, you could sign up and buy it in advance. Anyway, so I did because I started following her and I follow a lot of her work. And probably one of the things I love most about this woman is her courage. And she's a speaker. She has a lot of public speaking and it's all about storytelling. But she's absolutely hilarious and she shares the vulnerable moments, the moments when she was absolutely petrified out of her mind, like literally curled up on the ground in her bathroom floor, petrified about something, but how she got through it. And she used her her poison or her weapon or her superpower was telling stories or changing the story that you've told yourself or been telling yourself or relying on to get you through and and doing that differently. And that's why I love her and that's why I've been following her. Anyway, one of the, I guess, the gifts, which I didn't know at the time, for buying her book in advance before it was released is she sent out this gorgeous little 20-second video. And so I get this email into my inbox that says, um, I can't even remember what the title was, something like, thank you for pre-ordering my book, message for you, Kim. Kim, my name was in it, right? Now, Kendra Hall has a massive following. And I opened this video and it is Kendra. This is, and the message was something like, hi, Kim, it's Kendra here. I just wanted to thank you so much for all your support and pre-ordering my book, Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I really hope you enjoy it when you receive it. And thank you again for everything. I reckon I have played that video a thousand times. I'm not kidding. And all the time, if I'm doing um, any keynote or presentation or workshop where I'm talking about giving your client or giving the person on the other end a really beautiful, warm, heartfelt experience, I share this video. And often I share it and I love even watching again that I play it again and again and again for the people that I'm playing it to. I just love it. Anyway, the reason I'm telling you that is I would love to interview her on this podcast. Okay. So I'm putting that out there now. Does that scare me? Oh yes. That gets those bubbles in my bellies going on a massive rampage. So I'm, that's my little, my little scary right up front that I want to do. So what is it for you? 
What's that little thing that, I don't know, maybe you used to do it when you were young and you haven't done it lately, or maybe you've always wanted to do it, or maybe your friends have done it or done something like it and you haven't done it. So lately, some of the things that people have been sharing with me that has been in that boat is taking up hockey or tennis. So a lot of people going, yeah, I used to play tennis or I used to love hockey. And when I say, well, why aren't you doing it now? It's like, oh, I don't have time. Every excuse under the sun. Yet when I get down to it and I go deeper, what they end up saying is, do you know what? I used to be really good at it when I was at school. And I'm scared that if I started it now, and this is, you know, this has been a conversation I've had with women in their late 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. And they're saying, but I reckon if I went back now and I wouldn't be as good, it would kind of take me off that mantle of, but I was so good at it. And you know what? I say to them, I get it. I played softball when I was at school and I was I was all right at it. It was probably one of the things that I, I did really well. And I'd always wanted to play baseball. It wasn't offered though when I was growing up. And when I was 48, okay, so it does give you a bit of a hint that I'm obviously over 48. When I was 48, I actually started playing baseball. And I will explain that story another time. And it was so interesting because no, I wasn't very good. And no, and after three seasons of playing it, you know, yeah, absolutely I improved. No question about it. <laughs> Had a long way to go. But it was a really interesting experience because this was something that as a teenager I had been good at. And here I was in my late 40s and early 50s playing a game and I wasn't as good at it. And there are all these people that were a lot younger than me and they were amazing to the point where there was a couple of girls in my team. Um, well, there was actually one that was actually only 16 and a couple that were in their 20s and 30s. And I used to say to them from a baseball point of view, you know, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. And I genuinely meant it. But it, it was so good for, for my heart and my soul and my mind to do something that, yes, I had been good at. I wasn't necessarily that good at it now, but do it because I loved it. To not worry about trying to be perfect. But what I did worry about was always wanting to be my best and always wanting to at least do something valuable for the team. So that at the end of every game, whether we won or lost, which, yeah, winning was great, but but that wasn't the point. I wanted to at least know that when I got in the car to drive away, I had been of some value to the team. <laughs> now, I worked out pretty quickly that, that my value wasn't necessarily in my fielding or my batting, right? Which are the two things that you do in baseball. One thing I am blessed with is a very loud voice. So I became very, very good at cheerleading and at cheering on my teammates to the point where no matter whether I was out on the diamond fielding in the outfield or I was sitting in you know, the batting cage waiting for my turn to bat, anyone and everyone could hear me, right? So that became my superpower. And I would get in the car and drive away and go home and it doesn't matter how I played. Mind you, I always try my best, but it doesn't matter how I played. I know that I was valuable because I helped encourage my team or a team member some way, somehow, whether they were batting or fielding. So that whole learning for me was just incredible. And you know what? So good to do something that, yeah, I wasn't 
I, I was off my mantle of being really good at it. And it was so enlightening. And I really encourage you to, if it's something that you want to do, don't worry about being the best at it. And don't worry about the story that, yeah, but I was really good at it when I was younger. Do it now just because it lights you up inside. I would stand on the baseball diamond literally at training. And I remember in my first training and even over the years, and I would sometimes just stand there and just look and think, I am in such a happy place. I've got my glove on my hand, my baseball glove that is, and I'm playing a game that I passionately love with these girls, some I knew, some I didn't know, that were just wonderful. And together, it didn't matter what we did during our day, whether our day was great, whether it went pear-shaped, what we did for a job, what our family life was like, none of that mattered. All that mattered was what we were doing together as a team to help each other on that diamond and play the game better. So if you have been thinking about something you wanted to do, then this is that sign to go out and do it, to to get that. This is your dose of courage to go and do it. So back to where I was. So 30 years in financial services, and I was a keynote speaker, trainer, and a coach. But one of my favorite parts of it was when I would train and coach the females. So I would work with women, and I have worked with women for many, many years, Tried running female-only workshops a long time ago, and it didn't work out so well. It was 10 years ago, and I don't think the world was ready because I got accused of discriminating and, you know, how can you do this and why would you think that women learn any differently to men? Anyway, again, we'll touch on all of that in episodes to come. But that was the part I love the most. And, you know, we'd I'd work with women and they'd say, right, you know, Kim, I'd really love some help fixing my pricing model, understanding what my offer is, how do I communicate it, and how do I actually get out there and deliver it? And we'd work on all of that, right? No problem. That was the core of what they needed. But where we spent most of our time was working on their courage. It was working on giving them the confidence in their own self-worth, giving them the courage to be able to say what the price needed to be without wanting to vomit, being able to put it out there or, you know, share it on their website, getting them to be able to do a video and putting it out there, getting them to be able to put themselves out on social media. That's where I spent most of the time. And so that's what I've spent the last 10 to 15 years researching, doing all this work with what are the things that hold women back? What are the things that make women feel successful today And hint, hint, it is a lot more than just work or materialistic things. Again, we'll explore it. But one of the biggest things that I love and that most of the women needed, and it didn't matter how senior they were, how much they'd achieved in their lives or how much they wanted to achieve, most benefited from getting a dose or two of courage so they had that confidence to go out there and make decisions either at work or in their lives that helped them do things that were more aligned to what really lit them up, that made them feel like themselves. And that is something that I get a lot, that when people are doing these things, they say, you know, Kim, it feels like me and I want me back again. So if that sounds like you, let's do this together. Let's do this courageous thing together. Let's call each other out. Let's be real. Let's be vulnerable and let's do it. Because another one of Brene Brown's quotes is that vulnerability 
is our most accurate measure of courage. So in order to be more courageous, yeah, it does mean being vulnerable. I promise, I absolutely pinky promise that I will be vulnerable. I will share. I will bring guests to the table where they'll share their vulnerability. If you want to be a guest and you want to share it too, let's do this together. Let's get out there and live really happy, fulfilled, wonderful lives that we all deserve, that we're worthy of because we've done it because we've got a dose more of courage. So whatever that courageous thing is that you need to do today or you need to do in the next week or two, this is the permission to go and do it and see what happens. So until next time and our next episode, which I am so excited to be bringing to you, let me end this with a little reminder that whatever happens, you've got this. Thanks a million for joining me on this episode of Courageous Me. I hope it ignited a spark or two within you. To keep the inspiration flowing, hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for more episodes. We've got loads of amazing stories of courage, passion, and practical tips coming your way. For all the show notes, resources, and ways that we can connect, head to courageousme.com.au. And your feedback is incredibly valuable. So if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to leave a review and a rating. It'll help me spread more of this love and reach more wonderful people just like you. Until we meet again, my friend, always remember, you've got this.